Hello, and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast Twitch channel. My name is Michael, and we're back today for our every other Sunday-ish show called TTRPG Crowdfunding Review. I'm joined, as always, by Larry. Larry, say hello to everyone. Hey, good morning. And we're also joined, as always, by Ellen. Ellen, say hello to everyone. Good morning. So today is going to be a little bit different than normal. Uh, Generally speaking, what we do is each of us brings three-ish different currently running campaigns that we are interested in that we found while looking around. Some of these we've already backed. Often we've already backed them. Uh, But today we're only going to bring like maybe one each, maybe two at the outside. And then we're going to spend some time kind of talking about our year in review, what things we have backed this year. I actually went back and found some of the things I started back in back in 2013. Just to, one, I thought it'd be a fun year end episode because this will be our last episode of this show for 2022. Uh, and also just help you, dear listener or viewer, as it may be, uh, get a better idea of what kind of things we are interested in, what kind of things we back so that when you are hearing our opinions and our thoughts, it might mean more or less to you based off of what you know that we generally back and what we're interested in. Um, and again, I just thought it would be a, kind of a fun show. So uh, to kick things off, I'm going to start by covering the one that I found this week. And I will say that as of 9 a.m. this morning, I wasn't going to cover anything because I couldn't find one that I was particularly interested in. But I decided to check again, and I found one that at least piqued my interest. So um, I'm going to bring to the table this week, it is called uh, Inquisitor's Orders, a 5e slash Pathfinder second edition Monster Hunter campaign. This is on Kickstarter. Uh, and this is basically a system agnostic. It's aimed for those two systems. Campaign that is a series of one shots that can be played in any order or could be jump, dropped into an existing campaign as like a side quest or a one-off that is very much focused on the characters being part of a guild that contracts out to go hunt down monsters in the wild. And there are um, some additional information. There's like guild politics. There's ways to increase increase the reputation of your guild, which then bestows your character some perks. Uh, the thing that really th- I thought was interesting about this is, one, it's a bunch of one-shots, which, I, again, anyone who's listened to this show or watched for a while knows that's something I'm particularly interested in, um, mostly because I steal pieces and parts of them for all the various games that I try to run. Uh, but they are attempting to bring this out in almost like a subscription model. So you can back at just the level to get the information on the guild, or you can back at a level that you will get the first three of the one shots that will then come out monthly. You can do a six month or a year long, basically subscription. So I think it's 30 bucks is the the top end. You get the PDF, you get everything. And then you get the first 12 one shots that by design will actually come out monthly. You've just basically prepaid for that subscription for the year. And I'm sure this isn't the first company to have ever tried to do this sort of thing. But I thought that was an interesting model. I don't know how well it's going to work. I don't know if Kickstarter is the right platform to launch this, but I'm interested to see how it goes. Uh, so the company behind this is, where did it go? Quest Gaming. This is their second created, but that's actually not true. The first one was this earlier, and then they put out an update. There was something about the paywall was a problem, so they canceled it, and then they relaunched it uh, just you know basically immediately after. I don't know what that was about. Uh, it was not further explained. And they've only backed two. They... Um, 
Yeah, 29 days ago. Basically, it launched this morning. It launched within a few moments of me checking. Uh, they're already about a third of the way to their goal. The goal is very reasonable, 350 bucks. They're at 121 right now with just five backers. So really, if they get to 15 backers, I think they'll they'll get there. Again, the various levels. So $3 is the entry level, and that gets you the PDF copy of just the Inquisitor's campaign source book. That doesn't include any of the adventures. That's just the the guild that you would be a part of and some of the politics NPCs that uh, are behind it. For $10, you get that same campaign book and then the first of the three monthly one-shots. 20 bucks US gets you the first six one-shots. And again, I think I already mentioned uh, $30 will get you the entire year subscription. So the source book and then the first 12 one-shots. Um, all of these are expected to deliver next month, basically. Well, the campaign is. I'm sure the one-shots are going to come out monthly after that. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I don't, again, I don't know that I love this one as much as I'm interested by it. So I, I know that it just came out, but had either of you had a chance to see this one or have any questions based off of my limited coverage? Well, no, it wasn't up yesterday when I was looking, right? Yeah, me either. It's It sounds interesting to me because... The subscription model that you were talking about, like, that seems like it might lend itself better to Patreon, but I also don't know, like, Patreon is tough to get people to subscribe to. I mean, like, I subscribe to several Patreons for, like, maps and stuff, because I run games, but, like, it's, I I have one person, and that's Brooklet Games, who I've talked about before on this podcast, that I um, am a Patreon of for uh, one-shots and stuff like that. So it's, it's a harder sell, I think, but... Like, we'll see if that works on Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> so, like I said, I, I wish them the best. I don't, I don't know that this is something I would back, but I am curious to see how it goes. And it's also kind of close to me. That also caught my eye. It's from Ohio, and as someone who lived in Ohio for many years, I feel a little bit of a connection there. So, so with that, we will move on. I think we'll go to Ellen next for this one this week. What you got for us? Sure, uh, mine is called Lead and Gold. A tabletop crime role play for three to seven players. So I did see this one, but I knew that you had already picked it. <laughs> so I didn't actually dive into it. I just saw the image. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Oh, Ellen's claimed that one. Yeah, okay. I was on quick on the draw, like I always am. I, I always <laughs> try to be the first one every week because, like, I don't like to have to repick things. So. Fair, fair, very fair. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, it is a um, card-based game for it is a, a pulp role-playing game for three to seven players basically it the vibes it gives me is like reservoir dogs um if you have if anyone has seen that movie if you haven't you should go see it but um the pitch is your crew was in the middle of an easy score when it all went wrong uh you got away with the loot but the crew boss the one who set it all up started shooting and died on the way out the last thing the boss said before they died was that one of you must be a rat and in order for the rest of you to get away clean the rat has to die and that's just like amazing to me that's just such a cool concept i am a person who likes a little bit of pvp in my games anyway like so as long as everyone at the table is comfortable with it like if there is that sort of um asynchronous gameplay where one person is like designed to betray the rest of them i find that really fun and dramatic and interesting not that's not for everyone but that is the kind of game you are going into with it i i like it in this sort of scenario where like that's what you're doing but in like a traditional rpg DD type campaign i hate the secret trader you know trope but in a game where i'm playing knowing someone here and it could be me that's completely different mm-hmm. and i would be all for that right? yeah 
Um, and so it runs on a deck of cards. Uh, there aren't character sheets or anything. You draw cards and you get relationship ties to other characters based on the deck. And um, then you basically just role play and it's you try to determine who is lying. And if you are the rat, you try to stay alive and get someone else killed and escape. And so, like, that's just amazing. Like I said, it's very Reservoir Dogs to me. I love the concept. Um, the art is amazing. The stretch goals are pretty, um, pretty uh, I, uh, traditional, I would say. Like, they're just looking to have more um, collaborators to join in. Um, and they have met their funding goal. Yep. They have blown past it. Um, it's... The campaign ends on Thursday, December 29th. Um, the uh, support tiers are pretty standard. Um, you get the you get the game for twenty dollars. That's you get a deck of cards and you can play the game. Um, it has the rule book and tips for maximum fun and backstabbing. That's what it says. All right, nice. Um, and then uh, the additional things you can get if you pledge a little more are things like a signed sketch from the artist, which is cool, or a game zine with additional games from the collaborators and creators, and then um, various others, like a cooler signed card and stuff like that. And um, the whole shebang is another one where you can get everything. And then um, there is one tier. Yes, if you pledge $100 or more, uh, and one person has, there are four of these slots left, you can have a game run by the creator at Origins Game Fair in Columbus, Ohio. So, Michael. Nice. Yeah, that's not far from me. <laughs> so, Michael, consider it. Um, but, yes, uh, that's really cool. Um, I love those kinds of things. Uh, if I didn't have to drive to Ohio, I would consider it. <laughs> um, uh, and another one is a custom art commission, but that is gone. Every- or wait, no, it's not gone. Oh, it's not gone. Hmm. Ooh. That's concerning. I should scroll past this before I think about it too hard. Um, and then um, the one that is gone is uh, an original card art. You get a unique piece of game art designed for you. So, um, yeah, it's it's got a great theme. It's got really moody, evocative art. And those are, like, the two things that you need for, to get me to back it. So I backed it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this one uh, very well might get my money as well. But I'm glad that you were able to cover it. Alrighty. Uh, so Larry, anything on this one? I think if you look at the art crew, there's a couple of them, I think, that did art for the Land of Eam, which was a project yep. we all seem to enjoy. Which, I uh, did well, see that. We backed. We'll see if we oh, enjoy we it when it gets here. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, also, um, Ryan, I, I have not read 8 Billion Genies, but I've heard a lot about that comic series. Um, so just seeing that, it's like, oh, okay, this is... This is no joke. Like, this is professional, professional. Not that the other people aren't, but that's the only one I recognized. Other than, well, yeah, Land of M, but I, you know what I mean. Actually, I don't know if you do know what I mean. I'm going to stop talking now. All right, Larry, what you got for us this week? I have one for this week, uh, and it is on Kickstarter. It is called Guild, Sword and Magic for Hire. In this one, you're going to pay your dues, keep your code of the guild, dive into dark and dangerous places, all for the glory and the gold for the guild. This one here is essentially a very low rules game, uh, light rules. The idea here is to progress up through a fantasy game here, uh, up up through the ranks of your guild where you start out as a hireling trying to uh, help out the guild champions uh, as they go through quests and uh, game sessions. And 
those would be uh, you know NPCs. Uh, so your players here would be your your guild members that are starting out on the low rungs. And as you progress, you literally pay guild dues out of the treasure you accumulate to bring yourself to climb the ladder up through the guild. And as you do that, it unlocks like trainers for yourself, which would unlock other skills or types of magic you could learn. It unlocks better equipment. It unlocks better hirelings for yourself that you can get. It also unlocks sort of a reputation type thing. So as you're climbing up, uh, you know, you start out the game helping your guild champions make your way. You may be uh, just a simple torch bearer or something along that line. And hopefully if you progress and don't die, you get to reach that tier where you're one of the guild champions and your NPCs are your hirelings. Uh, so there is a, get a great, um, like I said, rules light for this. Very uh, old school type feel to it. You've only got three um, uh, aptitudes or abilities that your character is going to have. And everything that is tested against that is uh, all of your uh, aptitudes are affected and made less good by the amount of gear you're carrying. So, uh, in, in this is, this would be something which as soon as you can, you're going to want to, to grab some people to bear your packs and to get a pack animal, things of that nature, because it seems like it's very dependent on the more stuff you're carrying, the more things you could, you know, do with that gear, but also the more of a personal toll it's going to take on your abilities, like your strength your agility and your mind type uh, things. So essentially like in D&D, if you're packing on several weapons or whatever, you're going to start losing maybe like your proficiency bonus would be decreased based on how much gear you've got. So when you're making your rolls to try to succeed on things, the more stuff you're carrying, the harder everything is going to be. But that's just, that's the part of the mechanic of the system. The whole point of this is to go through and progress up your guild ladder, basically. It goes through talking about uh, generation uh, as far as equipment, treasure, uh, even magic and things. It's very kind of uh, based off of tables. So things are generic. You would just have a bladed table and it would basically tell you the quality of it. So if your character is using you know, a particular type of sword, well, and if he finds another sword, it's going to be this quality. But essentially, you're not going to be swapping out a whole bunch of different specifics, if that makes sense. You know, you're going to find another, you know, it'll be a better version or, or whatnot. They also have a magic system in here. And instead of gear specifically affecting it, it's affected by what they're calling trinkets. But trinkets are also part of your gear load. So uh, you want better trinkets to make your magic better. You're also going to be, you know, carrying more of those. So there's there's a, an effect as far as that game, as far as that goes, sorry. Uh, this one is done by Disaster Tourism, and they uh, have already done a game called Word um, that this is can be used as an expansion to, but it's also, this is also a standalone game by itself. This is only the, uh, let's see, this is their first Kickstarter. Um, they've backed a couple of other ones, so they seem to be pretty new to this. Uh, as far as the end date of this one, it runs through December 17th. Um, Kirby Franklin is the main creator here on this. Uh, he's part of Disaster Tourism. The funding goal is uh, $1,500, and they're currently over $2,000. Uh, $2,337. Uh, oddly enough, last night when I checked, they were almost at $2,350 something. So I, I, somebody's canceled their pledge, and I'm sad and sorry to hear that. Uh, but it wasn't me. Uh, at $4,000, if they get to that stretch goal, they're going to have put out an issue zero that's got Guild Adventure um, 
at Guild Adventures that's going to be included with this. The entry pledge for this one's $10 for a PDF. $30 will get you a print and PDF of this along with the PDF of the Word uh, framework RPG that I mentioned earlier. Um, expected delivery on the PDF is December. So talked about it being, being done, just going to be released shortly after the Kickstarter. It's already funded, so there shouldn't be an issue with that. But the print um, is looking for a couple months down the road in late January. Um, again, this is an expansion for the Word game that they've put out, which is still fantasy-based. But this one comes with its own fairly generic setting so that you can drop it into any system. But it's essentially just there to give you a guild framework that you can put your players into uh, and, and run them up the rung, assuming they are successful. The hardest part about that uh, continued success would be that as far as uh, like hit point systems and things go, you don't have hit points. Uh, you have armor. Once your armor is beaten down and destroyed, uh, if you get hit again without replacing and repairing that armor, it just goes straight to a, I believe he said it was a D6 table. Two of those results, well, one result is like, well, you're dead. Another result is you lose a limb. And then the other four results are less severe. But uh, it's it's there's not a whole lot of cushion there. So you definitely want to be careful. Interesting. All right. That feels like a very Larry sort of game to me. Like, I think that fits in your wheelhouse. Uh, Ellen, any thoughts on this one? Um, I just wish that I had known that there was a guild theme that we were following for this week because I did not get the message. <laughs> um, but no, it, it sounds like um, it sounds like a game that, like, if you're... I don't want to say this, and I don't mean this in a bad way. If you're really into, like, management and, like, progression, like, that could be a really fun game for yeah. you. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, No. <laughs> Again, I, I'm glad there's a variety of games, because mm -hmm. a game that I would hate might be someone else's favorite game. We're both right. You know, and again, if, if someone loves that, I'm all for it being out there so people get to play it. Probably not a game that I would... Like, I might enjoy, like, on a one-shot, like, at a convention... Where it's almost like competitively, you know, not quite munchkinish, but like we're all trying to get the best weapon and type of a thing by the time we get out. But like a home game campaign, I would not be interested in that game for that reason. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you everybody for sharing. We're actually not going to do the Kickstarter game dead. We're going to talk a little bit about, again, our history with crowdfunding, uh, share some maybe our favorites, maybe commiserate a little bit with some of the failures. Uh, and then share a little bit. Again, the idea is uh, hopefully for anyone listening or watching, you'll get a better idea of who we are when it comes to what sort of things we're interested in, what we support, which will help, you know, formulate how well much or less you should listen to us when we talk about these things. <laughs> um, so we had set out some prompts earlier. I, of course, then decided to do my own anyways, because that's what I do. I'm a wild card here. So I'm going to start by saying that the first Kickstarter I ever backed, and I, I'm mostly Kickstarter. I know there are others. I'm still trying to expand my horizons, but I think 99% of everything I backed has been Kickstarter at this point, uh, was in 2013. So almost 10 full years ago was my first experience with Kickstarter. And you might start to see a theme about some of the ones I back as well. The first one I backed was for a set of these like two to three inch squishy dice. So it was a full set of polyhedrals. I paid extra to get all three or three extra of the six sided. So I would have a full 10 set and that cost me 30 bucks. At the time that I bought these, I had a two and a three year old 
And this was their first set of dice. So absolutely, I got these for my kids. That is why I backed the first time ever. And again, I still have them. Of course, they're in my room. They're not in their room because kids are kids. But I'm still very glad that I supported that Kickstarter. I'm sure I could get these now. You know, even 10 years later with inflation, 30 bucks for a set of polyhedrals is probably a lot. But I don't mind at all that I spent it because we did get to play with the kids. Like we would just literally chuck them against the wall. And my kids still do this thing. They're very competitive where they just want to see who can roll the higher number. Like there's no game associated, but they'll just chuck one against the wall and run over and be like, I got a four. And then the next person would roll. I got a seven. I went. And then we just do that forever. So I have very fond memories of these dice. I'm very glad that I backed them. Also, I just want to say $30 for a full set of dice is not cheap. <laughs> so, and I don't even want to talk about how much I've spent on dice before we're moving on. Yeah, well, I mean, of because of, 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 I've bought some expensive dice as well, but I think for foam squishy ones, that was quite a lot. Okay, but maybe not. Maybe fair. not. All right. So, uh, so Larry, I'll go to you. Um, I know, I think when I sent out the prompts, I was like, you know, the first maybe in 2022, but do you just have a first Kickstarter? It doesn't have to, or back crowdfunding campaign. It doesn't have to be ever. It doesn't have to be this year, but just a first of something you want to share with us. Yeah, I did. I went back through and looked too, and it was the vast majority, I think, simply because of just how things haven't really opened up until the last couple of years, maybe with other uh, uh, competitors there. But yeah, it was a Kickstarter. The first one I could find was the Numenera box set from December of 2014. That was my earliest one. And that, that was, a, that runs, a, there's a theme. I have got so many Numenera books. And I've played the game like five times, and I've never run a uh, you know a session. So that's one of my collectors, I guess. Yeah, I, I have fallen into that. Uh, I still believe heavily in Monty Cook games. I think they do some amazing work, and I'm happy to support them. And I backed a lot of their Kickstarters just to help them. And I think at this point they don't need my help. So the last couple them. I have I have not <laughs> backed. Uh, but yes, I have the Invisible Sun Cube. I've never played the game. Probably never will, but I have the cube. It's it's literally right there. Uh, it just sits there as something to look at. All right. So, Ellen, I, I have a feeling, based on some things you've already shared, that your experience with crowdfunding might surpass and eclipse both Larry and I's put together. Uh, so do you have a first, a first, the first, that you would like to share with everyone? Okay. To be fair, um, my first kickstarter that i backed was actually after both of you guys it was in 2015 i think it doesn't say when the campaign ran that i can i would have to dig in the comments yeah. but that that one was not ttrpg related that was actually about uh, a comic about hockey so we're moving on from that to the first okay. ttrpg one which is um the spirit of dice range by credit which is a UK company that makes dice. And they make the... I have these dice still. They, I have a bunch of sets of these dice. I backed a bunch of their campaigns. They um, have the highest number on the die is uh, an animal. And so it's the spirit of a certain animal type. And um, they're just pretty and fun. And <laughs> I remember very early on when I was still playing um, D&D in person instead of online... Um, that I would be like, oh, I got, I got a unicorn or like, whatever, like, <laughs> like that is natural 20, like, you know, got all excited because it was, you know, not a 20, it was a unicorn. But anyway, uh, that was the first, the first actual game thing besides d just dice was, uh, Strongholds and Streaming, which was, um, the Strongholds and Followers book that Matt Colville did, uh, all those years ago. 
So the okay. first big supplement he did. And that was like, it says on here when I look at it, top 100 Kickstarters of all time. That was like huge. It was it $2 was. million dollars or something. That's a fun book too. Like if you want to have, if you want to build a castle or build a temple or build a whatever you want or an inn and have followers that aren't like player character level strong, but are still usable, that's a good supplement. Yeah, that Kickstarter basically created an industry because it basically funded now the Arcadia, you know, MXDM oh, yeah. or whatever, uh, MCDM. Yeah. yeah, so he pretty much got enough money that he built a company around that now. Yeah. And, you know, again, that's the dream as someone mm-hmm. who's going to be running a Kickstarter next year and does not expect anywhere near a million dollars. I'll be lucky if I get like 3000 But yeah, that would be a dream. If someone's giving me a couple million dollars for my book, I definitely will turn that into a, a TTRPG co- company. You have my <laughs> word on it. All righty. So we talk a lot about, you know, somewhat jokingly uh, making fun of each other a little bit, uh, how much we do support Kickstarters. Uh, and um, so I went back and looked, and I've always considered myself as someone who backs a lot to the point that it's, you know, again, financially damaging sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but the best I can tell, I've backed roughly 100 crowdfunding campaigns total. So the entire from beginning to end till now. Uh, in 2022, I only backed 20, though it probably will be 21 because I'm probably going back that lead and gold. So most of mine actually were in the three years before that. Like I, I only had a couple early on the 2013s, 2014s. I didn't do very many. The last three years, I did quite a lot. And this year, again, as I mentioned, I'm trying to be a little bit more selective. I'm trying to get my finances under control. So I've, I've been a little bit more selective, though. I've definitely made some, some missteps here and there. Not missteps. I made some choices. I'll say that. So overall, I'm roughly at 100 backed 20 this year. Larry, do you happen to know your numbers for this year and or total? No, I didn't break it down by year. I did not. But um, Indiegogo is a is a strong uh, favorite uh, place to go and do my crowdfunding. I like to find a lot of adventures and stuff there. I had back 22 Indiegogos over the past question mark years. And mm-hmm. at Kickstarter total, I'm at 237 right now. And I've got four live ones. So there we go. Okay. That makes That's, me feel so much better. Thank I, said, you. That, that, I actually didn't expect yours to be that high. Uh, I, I kind of was setting up Ellen to come in and just squash both of us, but I'm, I'm not sure she's going to be able to now. Uh, so I'll ask. We need Larry to go back and do his 2022 total so that we know who is, <laughs> who is trending in the wrong direction, because I think the answer is me. Um, so on Kickstarter total of, I have two that are active, which is Tales from the Trail, Volume 2, and Lead and Gold. And then 118 that were successful. So 120. Um, and I only have a handful that I backed and were not successful. So that's not yeah. really in the conversation. Number that I have backed this year, 65. Ooh, it's been very busy for you. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah you're, you're catching up quickly. You're, you're uh-huh. making up some ground. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did not ask, nor did I prepare my own numbers as far as like average, because there's certainly some big dollar ones I've done okay. in there. But like when we do the show, often I try to find the $5 ones and the $1 ones. So I'm I'm hoping at least that, that some of our averages might be low for we're supporting that many. But you know what? You do you. I mean, we know, we know that like, I think on the level of like who's the most like interested in collectors things like i'm the one who's like oh I'm, we need to get the hardcover that's exclusive i'm the uh, one who's the sucker so okay well again the, the the economy needs people like you you keep us strong <laughs> so what's so i know we we just mentioned like a 
couple of you have actually backed things. You currently have some active. So I'll say that for me currently, my most recent backing was the Pine Box Middle School and Horror Companion for Savage Worlds. Um, I have not yet backed Lead and Gold, though I very, very likely will before it runs out. I did change, I think I mentioned this last time, originally I had I'd done that at the digital level. I went back and changed my pledge to do the all-in print level, mostly again because I'm still... I'm just I'm just too old. I I need physical copies of stuff when I'm prepping for games, when I'm running games. I just still like to have them in my hands. And as I, as I've said many times before, I'm currently working on a Savage Worlds campaign. I hope to be running early next year. Both of those fit very well into the type of game I'm going to be running. So that was kind of what pushed me over the edge. And so I did go in ahead and it's the two hundred dollar pledge level for that one. So uh, I guess other than the ones that are currently active, do you have just well? I'll just say, that, is there any currently running? of your most recent, so not the most recent, but a most recent one that you want to call out, Larry? Well, I I must say there's a lot of them have been, I have pledged because of watching you guys present. So, I mean, there's a lot of overlap there. And I I do appreciate when somebody brings a dollar, a $5 one, you know? (laughs) No, I was going to say, in particular, there's nothing that's really, that I'm really aching to, to get uh, that's not from several, several months ago offhand. All right. What about you, Ellen? Yeah, and I will say um, the the two that are active are, I already mentioned, are Tales from the Trail, which did fund. I'm, I was very excited that it did nice. fund because I talked that about cool. that last time. Um, and, oh, I don't, I meant to grab, I don't think I grabbed, I have a bunch of props here. It's going to be a prop-filled day. I meant to grab <laughs> the original after book and show it off, but I don't think, I think I left that downstairs. So. Yeah, I'm excited for that um, because that is I I love that setting for Savage Worlds. I want to run it. I want to run it on VTT, so I want there to be a Foundry module for it. So yeah. hey, again, creator, <laughs> please do that. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Tad chimed in on um, chat that they've only backed three: uh, a Zombie Side Green Horde, uh, a Mini Holder, and then the RPG Academy. Um, so that actually probably was for the Catacon Kickstarter. I believe you did back us uh, once before Tad, like a VIP badge or something in like 2019 or 20 something. I don't think you actually were able to make it that year, but I think you backed us. So thank you. Uh, so yeah, you're a total noob as far as this goes, but uh, you know, probably financially more secure than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's a here's, here's a big one and big, big one. What is the most that we have ever spent on a Kickstarter or any campaign? And again, this is, no one's going to check you if you wish to not not share, or if you don't actually want to share the one that is the most, that is on you. I have two that I will cover. The first is the Primeval Fool Kickstarter. So this was back, I think, in like 2015. Um, there was a game company that was by Keith Baker, Jim Schubert, and David Noonan, who were all Wizards of the Coast um, and even TSR uh, people. Started their own company. I think it's called Sasquatch Game Studio. I think now it's actually defunct. And they put out a couple products. I, I backed, I think, all of them that they did. Ultimate Scheme, still a great game. I play that a lot. I backed that at a $500 level. But the majority of that was so that I got to play a game with the creators at Gen Con that year. And I had talked to them through the Kickstarter, and they agreed to let me record it. So it was basically for, like, the podcast, you know? I was like, hey, I get to have these three. It's little, an investment. You know, it's an investment. <laughs> Uh, I also, I got a cast of characters to play. So both Aaron and uh, Chris from NPC cast, which 
has now died, but was one of my favorite podcasts for a very long time. And then Enrique, who you might know on Twitter as the newbie DM, who's got a very large following. So we were the players. Uh, I think David was actually the one running the game. Everybody else was was there. And then in addition to getting to record the game, which the audio was terrible because I'd never recorded a, a game like that before. The audio was absolute trash. I did strike up a conversation with Rich, and I was able to get him to come to a couple of our catacons as a special guest. So it truly was an investment in the podcast uh, as well as what I thought was a cool product. Obviously, I got the leather or probably faux leather bound edition. I think I got a regular copy, too, for that level. I mean, it was, it was a stupid amount of money. But that's not actually the most money I've ever spent. The most, most money I ever spent was on the Marvel United X-Men Kickstarter. So that's that sort of um, minifig game that came out a couple of years ago by Kaman and Spin Master. Uh, they had the original X-Men, or excuse me, original Marvel one, which I went in fully at. And then they came out with an X-Men one that had so many Kickstarter exclusives. So I actually did an all-in pledge and then a separate additional pledge for just all of the expansions and then I gave them away at a catacon this year. So again, it was an investment. It was part of my <laughs> catacon budget. So a good two hundred, probably two thirty of that five sixty, which is a ton of money, uh, was to give away as a prize at a catacon. I don't know if it was worth that value in advertising or anything like that. But in my head, it makes it okay because I I, I budgeted separately. It wasn't my Kickstarter budget. It was my catacon budget. So if anyone did come to a catacomb this year, you probably saw on Saturday, it was like, I don't know, like a stack of like, it's larger than you can see. But yeah, there were like eight or nine boxes of Kickstarter exclusives that someone got absolutely for free, other than having to buy a badge. <laughs> yeah, I saw that stack. I thought the table was starting to lean over that way because it was just tremendously large. Now, the Sasquatch, also, they also did the alternative Kickstarter too, didn't they, where they rebooted they it, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, Rich sent me a free copy of that for, uh, again, that, that relationship has paid, been, paid dividends over the dividends. years. All right. So I'll go to you next, Larry. Again, no one's going to check your homework. So it's whatever you feel like sharing. But do you have a particularly large or more ex most expensive one that you would like to share with us? That first one I went in on the Numenera box set was $120. And at the time, I thought, you you know, you got a lot of stuff in there and it was a Kickstarter exclusive. And I was like, yes, all right, I can do that. And then not too long ago, I think maybe, was it 2000 or 2000, sorry, 2020 or 2021, there was another Kickstarter from Monty Cook Games and it was the Liminal Shores Kickstarter. That one is my top one and it's at 185 but I believe there were... At least three hardbacks that came out of that, and a bun and some and some other PDFs. So I mean, hey, yay! <laughs> you, you know, there's a lot of good material there. It's just a matter of it's it's on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a quick diversion. Actually, I, I got an email two days ago. Uh, the second edition of the Seventh C yes. Kickstarter that John Wick put together. I did the the all in <laughs> print or all in digital. Me too. I'm still getting like I literally just got a book. This week, that's like a four or five year old Kickstarter. I'm, I must have thirty books at this point from that Kickstarter. <laughs> that, Don't know if I open, opened one of them. That Seventh Sea uh, funded in March 2016 because I had that uh, notice. I got that one too the yep. other day. So PDF. seven years later, I'm still getting fulfilled on that one. Interesting. <laughs> All right, that brings us to Ellen, the collector. Oh. 
Um, again, no one's going to check your homework. Yeah. So, I know. what do you want to share with us? What is the most you've ever I'm spent on a backpack? Putting it uh, in the document so that you can have a link to it, so you can at least see, okay. see how cool it is. Okay, where do you? When go? I justify how much money I spent on it. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, it is the Griffin Saddlebag Book Two. I spent <laughs> four hundred thirty-two dollars on this deluxe pack um because i missed the first book too and i wanted the deluxe cover of the first book because of course i did of course um and i don't know if you have the link up but i do there's a literal bag that is this saddlebag and it's so cute and i wanted it so guess (laughs) what i got i i did you know what and eleven thousand seven hundred and nine other people probably did too so don't feel bad yeah, and you know what? There were 74 people who backed, or 73 other people who backed at the same level I did. So okay. there we go. Um, but it raised $1.2 million. So, like, this was a big Kickstarter. Um, this is a person, I don't know the name of the author um, offhand. Where are you? Griffin McCauley. Um, he posts his stuff on Reddit, like, for free. So this is all stuff that could have been available for free. It's just if you wanted to have, like, a PDF copy of it, with it all like in nice print and a book and all the other extras, you could support him because he just puts out items and things for free for mm-hmm. DMs to use in their games. And so like I've seen some of his stuff. I thought it was very cool. I think the design is very cool. So I was like, yeah, I'll support you. You are doing a great service to fellow GMs out there. So yeah, so that is the most expensive one. The second most expensive one is the disgusting amount of money I spent on um, Dispel Dice's debut collection, the Sharp Edge Dice. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say how much I pledged for that, but it's less than Griffin Saddlebag, but still a lot for dice. Um, The one that I feel good about is um, $250 for my friend um, Cassie. Uh, Cassie Campbell uh, runs Chosen Ones D&D, a uh, D&D podcast that is really a visual novel. It's on YouTube. And so they are, everyone in that campaign is an artist, but they themselves uh, do the a lot of the thumbnail art for the show. And um, that was in order to raise funds for an animated opening and ending for their third season. So mm. I backed at 250 and got a, uh, a special um, uh, title in their Discord uh, that I was the head bear because that... <laughs> that um, April Fools, everyone was bears. And so it was Head Bear, and uh, they made me a bespoke music video involving bears. And it was set to a, a copyright free, uh, <laughs> like indie folk type song. Like, uh, it was very funny. But anyway, so that was the one I feel the best about. The one that I, and I will say, the one that I spent the most on that I didn't have to, like, the base price was not very expensive, is Rune. And I backed that at the $100 level because I wanted a signed copy. It was really just like, if this is the, if you want to spend more money on this, you're not getting anything extra really except for the signature. Like, and I will appreciate you for throwing more money at the campaign. And this is Spencer Campbell. I follow him on Twitter. I love his stuff. I love Drifters. I love Slayers. I love everything he does. I love the idea for Rune. I don't think I haven't gotten my um, physical copy yet, but the digital is amazing. So that one I was I felt very good about throwing extra money in his direction. So speaking of Action Twelve Cinema, um, I actually that'll be a level on ours too. The signed copy that's not worth what you're paying, but please thank you for doing for some, throwing money at me. Level is definitely one that will be in mine as well. Yeah. All right. So here's the one I'm interested in. 
What is your favorite one? So you both have backed way more than me, but out of all of these, is there one that you just, just, regardless of how much it was, you're just so tickled or thrilled that you either have it or had it or get to use it? For me, it is the No Thank You Evil Kickstarter that I did. Again, this was a Monty Cook Games. This was for their basically like kid-friendly introductory RPG. And again, it's it's for my kids. It's the story because I got this one. I don't remember the year, but they were both pretty young. I think five and six, so probably like 2015, 2016 in there. And they were young enough that when the package showed up, I played it off like, hey, I don't know what this is. You know, it, it says it's addressed to you. But it doesn't say who it's from. Now, it said on the package from Money Cook Games to Michael, but they're dumb little kids. They don't know. So, and to this day, they sometimes still ask me, who sent us that game? And I'm like, buddy, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who sent it. Someone who just wanted us to play it. So the first RPG that I actually got to play with my kids, and we now play you know, pretty regularly. They both are well into it. They, you know, I've, done, I've done my nerd parent job right, getting them into RPGs started with a No Thank You Evil campaign. And even now, sometimes John still wants to play that one over others because it's so more free form and, you know, you can just literally do anything you want. There's less rules and he can do more cool stuff, which, you know, I can't say that I blame him. So just the fact that that's how I got my kids into RPGs at all means the world to me. I, I would have, I would easily pay 10 times what I paid on that Kickstarter to get what I got out of it. All right. So Larry, do you have a favorite? That's a very good one because I got that one too. The no thank you. It's like what new Monero light or cipher system light, and it's yeah. a gorgeous game, especially for kids. Um, honestly, not no particular one sticks out other than if you're just talking about physical beauty. I got the uh, third version, third edition of the Hyperborea games from um, Jeffrey Talanian the other day, and they're the faux leather covers, player book, um, DM's book, and. Their gorgeous tomb of adventure design uh, came in too with the deluxe version with the the ribbons and the. Uh, uh, I mean, just you know, sit and smell your books when they come in. But yeah, honestly, I probably just no most most. I, I don't have a favorite. I'm sorry. I just no. It's it, it's it's sometimes you can't choose between your children. I get it. Ellen, do you have a favorite? I absolutely do have a favorite. Okay, I have props. I have, this is also the one that took the longest to receive. Uh, this is the Fablemakers animated tarot set. It's from Hit Point Press. They do the um, deck of many animated things and spells, and they do a bunch of different things. I will say, my the one the only downside is that it came damaged. So if Hit oh, Point no. Press is watching and can get me a new box that I can pay for, I will pay for it. But anyway. Everything else is fine. It's just the box. But the way, I don't know if it'll show up. You can see that it moves. It's lenticular. And like oh. when you, like uh, it is, is literally animated. And this one's, I need more dramatic ones. This one moves a little better. Yeah, I can't, I'm not seeing the movement. Well, it moves in person. And it's okay. very exciting. <laughs> I believe um, you. <laughs> And it's it's just really cool. And I love tarot decks. I love using tarot decks as parts of indie games. I like using tarot decks as part of D&D. So, like, this is a cool thing that I can use in many ways. Um, and it's just beautiful. Like, the art is great. Um, the fact that it is animated is super cool. Um, I have not put it in front of any players yet, but I anticipate that doing so would get a lot of oohs and ahs because, like, it's cool. <laughs> um, and I will say it took... 
I backed it in 2020, I think, and they were supposed to deliver sometime last year, and there were just so many delays, and they were consistently apologizing. They were talking about it the entire time. Um, they sent, like, the little sticker says, thank you for your support and patience. They sent a, a free deck of animated townsfolk because it took so long, and that was really oh, nice. They didn't have yeah. to do that. Right. Um, I was excited just to get the tarot, but um, uh, I, I like them a lot. I um, really like all the stuff that they do hit point press, so, like... Yeah, if I can buy a new box, let me know. Um, okay. <laughs> but that is my favorite. It's All just right. very cool. Okay, so now we're fl- uh, hitting the flip side. Least favorite, worst decision, re- most regrettable, the one that you were like, I really shouldn't have spent that money, whether it was a lot or a little. Is there one that you backed that you just now wish that you hadn't? So I have a few of these that I could say, but the one I'm going to go with is actually the Sentinels of the Multiverse Oblivion Ultimate Collector's Edition thingy. I don't know if that's the exact title. I like deck builders. I like superheroes. I mostly play Marvel Legendary and DC Deck Builder, but I also like Sentinels of the Multiverse. And I have friends who that is their favorite game. Like they love Sentinels of the Multiverse. And every time we get together, that's the one they want to play. And I had bought, you know, for the Catacomb, the base set. I have a couple of copies of the base set so that people can play them and blah, blah, blah. Well, here they came out with this thing that's like every card we've ever done in this ginormous collector's box. It's designed so that you can sleeve your cards because I'm a sleever. I absolutely sleeve all my cards before I play with them. All the extra bits and bobs. And I don't remember how much it was. It was obviously wasn't more than some of the others, but it was up there. It was probably $400 or more. And I backed it. I, and it took like three years to get all the things. Like the box was like this, this, it was a whole ordeal to get the box right and get it made and get it shipped. So it, it became kind of a hassle anyways. But I finally got everything. I immediately bought, I don't know, $300 in sleeves to sleeve all these cards, put them away, and never touched them. Never. Never. Because if I played the game, we had the, base set i would just pull that off the shelf or we started playing online so i never one time ever touched those cards beyond sleeving them and this year at a catacomb i gave it away it was it was one of the prizes i gave on saturday because i was just tired of moving the damn thing because it's huge it was like 40 or 50 pounds and i've had to move it three or four times when we moved from ohio to kentucky I move. I've moved my room that we, you know, I, I podcast in, and my game room. I think this. I'm on my third place in the house now. I'm like, I'm not moving it again. So I moved it to Ohio and then gave it away. And the person who got it was very, very hap- happy to have had it. So I'm very. I'll, I'll consider it now an catacon expense as well. So it won't sting so bad. But absolutely, that was probably the worst, the, the most regrettable one that I've backed. Larry, do yeah. you have a most regrettable? Yes, I have many that have, like you're saying, have basically gathered dust. But as far as straight up, man, uh, disappointment, uh, I had backed the Elixir Liquid Dice uh, core set hmm. and then added uh, an extra D20, added another uh, three more D6s, you know, so you could roll all your ability scores for things. So I spent about $132 on a set of dice and I was just completely underwhelmed by them and just felt like uh, I, I ended up giving them away as a Christmas gift, la- I think, last year. But, uh, I, yeah, that was my one that was just literally just no, unhappy. Speaking of dice, I have the Flying Horse Duck D60 set. It's like it's like a D4 like 12 times and a D6 10 times and a D23 times. So they're all 
these giant softball size 60 ciders, but they, they're all the dice that you would need. So I bought that. I've never used them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, all right, Ellen, do you have a, uh, most regrettable wish I hadn't, if I could do it over again, I wouldn't campaign. I have two to mention. One I have here, and I want to say the game is cool. The only thing I'm disappointed in is like the art. You can't tell like from here, but like the art is not as cool as it looked like it would be. Uh, like it's a little like pixelated. And so like that's just a little bit of a bummer for a book that you're going to have on your shelf. Um, the game itself inside is cool. I will say that. So it's just like maybe I could have gotten it digitally instead of physically. That's where the regret lies for that. And that is Equinox. I didn't want to like belabor the point of what it's called because I'm not bashing this game. Like I just wish that the, the art was a little nicer on the book. Yeah. But um, uh, the one that I think I could have pledged at a lower level is Pathfinder for Savage Worlds because I have not played it. What I really wanted at the time it came out was the fantasy companion. And like this was close enough. So I was like, oh, I'm going to back it. And I got the physical and I just did not need the physical. Mm. I'm not going to play it physically. I have all the PDFs. That's the part I'm going to use. So like, it's great. Everything that Pinnacle puts out is great. I love Savage Worlds. I just didn't need to get it physically. That is on me. (laughs) That is my regret. Fair, fair enough. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's another possibly controversial. What are you still waiting on? What has gotten overdue to the part that maybe you don't even care about it anymore, if it will ever even show up? So I'm going to, against my better judgment, invoke the name GM Jim McClure, (laughs) um, a well-known, perhaps reviled name in the TTRPG industry at these points. Uh, One-time friend, one-time, you know, co-host on my show. I still think the series of episodes we did covering his first Rokugan game is one of the best things we've ever done on the show. I think at this point there's like three Kickstarters that they uh, did, and then none of them have fulfilled since, and there's like, it's, it's a whole thing. But Satanic Panic was actually a really fun game. Had some really interesting mechanics, and we ran it on the show. So you can go listen to us playing a version of Satanic Panic. The game exists in a form now, but we were supposed to get the Kickstarter version in March of 2018. Still hasn't arrived. Um, There was a long period of silence, and then Jim came back and said, oh, we're going to finally do this. I'm going to do every week we're going to do updates. That lasted for like a month and a half, and it's now been silence again for about a year. I don't expect to ever get this game, and I, I, even if I do, I, I honestly might just take the package and throw it straight in the trash. I don't know if I'll even open it. Oh, oh, Still waiting that I want is Descent into Midnight, and this was a game that was created by three people I consider friends. And they actually met at a catacon, so there's kind of a catacon origin story there, and it is a Power by the Apocalypse-style game that happens in an underwater sort of alien uh, environment. It's very much, you know, my style of collaborative story building. They basically funded the Kickstarter right about the time that COVID happened, and then there were some life issues. So the creators are still actively working on it. This isn't a dead project. It's just taking way longer than anyone expected. They are you know, they do regular updates. They're very apologetic about the wait. It seems like it's going to be done soon. I actually talked to one of the creators at the most recent Acaticon and probably will we'll probably have this in our hands early this next year. So I'm still kind of excited about that. But at this point, it was due in December of 2020. So we're, we're going on two plus years overdue, which happens. But, you know, 
not ideal. So, Larry, so one that you are still waiting on that you want or that you don't or one of each? I'm I'm looking for, very much forward to getting a hold of the little Adorablins. It's a little game in a tin oh, yeah. with some little meeples and whatnot. And, and that's it's a, it's a late, but it's not egregious. And uh, that's just, uh, you know, what, like Ellen had mentioned, it has been such a mess with overseas shipping and paper shortages and people just every, almost everybody is, you can't plan for just how bad it got. So that's what I'm looking forward to getting. And I was going to say, uh, if you know, uh, Brodor from Fear the Boot, he had been in contact with Jim over the past year trying to get that game released to somebody else who could handle it, and they were making progress on that, and then it's kind of went silent again on that. So there was, it seemed like it was coming, maybe coming, getting some new life here recently, but, uh, and then also, uh, Reach of Titan was an, a, another one after that. I, I backed that one too, and, uh, you know, haven't haven't got much from that one, but yeah, I don't want to say it's related, but I know that Kickstarter will now not let you run two campaigns back to back. Like there are some rules about how far apart they have to be and whether or not you have to actually have to fulfill one before you can run another one. Okay. Not saying they're related, but maybe. But yeah, I yes. would still. You know, that's the most frustrating thing for me too. Is just that I know the game exists currently in playable form. It may not be done, but like the rules could have been sent out and said, "Hey, I'm sorry. Here's here's what I have." You know, type of. all right. So, Ellen, any of yours that you are still waiting on that you want or maybe don't at this point? Oh, I mean, I'm waiting on tons of them. But as I said, like my favorite one took over two years to get to me. So I am one who is not as long as people are giving updates and being transparent about what's going on. I don't care how long it takes as long as it's cool when it gets here. Um, so I will just shout out a few of the ones that are like I'm waiting for and like have given updates so um that's exciting like um because i'm looking through i'm like what haven't i got <laughs> um so some that look like they are overdue include uh tome of adventure design which i think larry was the one who brought that to this show that was the one that had like the um the little prompts on the edges of the pages and like was a really cool big hardback book so that one was supposed to be here last month, I think, and, you know, there's delays on printing and stuff, so I'm not worried about it. Um, I'm excited to say Brindlewood Bay should be coming soon, which mm. is very cool to me. Um, so that one I am waiting on, but not it's not overdue. Um, Die, the role-playing game, looks like it was supposed, it was anticipated to be out last month. I think I got the PDF of that already. Yes, but I'm, I'm talking about the full shebang, and so, gotcha, like, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. The PDF, yeah, the PDF is out, but um, the uh, the book is not out. And so that's, like, I want to sit the book next to my uh, hardcover copy of the comic on my shelf, you know? Like, but that's just yeah. me being a collector. Um, Questlandia RPG, I think I'm still waiting on. That doesn't sound like I've gotten it yet, but PDFs have gone out and they've been good about updates. Hell, I think the one that's, there are two that are probably the lar longest wait so far of the ones that are still like I'm waiting on the rewards and that's um Heliana's Guide to Monster Hunting a 5e supplement but I have the PDF of that so that's and that is also hit point press actually I didn't realize that but uh that's just waiting on packaging and shipping and stuff like that um and then the other one is Into the Motherlands which is uh from Tanya DePass um on Twitter um and they recently put out an announcement in November about what was going on with that and how there's a new publisher and it should be coming to um, 
Kickstarter backers and retail in uh, Q4 2023. So, like, that's not ideal, obviously, but at least, right. like, there is discussion and movement on that. And so that's, like I said, I don't care about waiting. I'm excited right. for it because it looks cool and it's going to be a really cool product. So I'm fine with waiting. So I, I had, in my mind, I had a separate category for the things that we are most excited for but are not late. I don't think I communicated that very well. So I will just say here that the one that I'm most excited for that I'm right that I'm waiting on, but is not late yet is the Marvel zombie side. Again, I love superheroes and zombie side is one of the few games that my wife really likes. So I'm really hopeful that that will be a game that we will get to actually play with the family a lot. Cause she, she will deal with it and the kids hopefully will like the superhero version. I will say I bought the retail version to take to a catacomb this year. It's a very, pared down version of the games like 30 or 40 bucks on amazon walmart type of thing i went in i didn't get the giant galactus because no one needed that some people bought it they didn't need it i definitely don't need it but i went all in other than that so this is going to be a much different experience but the boys were both like yeah so we'll see all right uh so unfortunately i need to wrap up things quickly so i'll just give you both a chance is there anything that you want to share that either i didn't ask or i asked earlier and then we we didn't get to uh anything else and then if you want to go ahead and just wrap up again give your links and socials and all that kind of good stuff so larry any final thoughts words on your crowdfunding campaign habits and then where can people find you on the internet I just did want to throw out my my least uh, or my least expensive one. I funded for one dollar Canadian, so oh. I think that was like seventy eight cents. Not not in today's economy. This must have been a few years ago. <laughs> no, uh, it was well, it was last year. But anyways, okay. yeah, uh, just uh, Mumfrey's musings on my anchor cast and uh, over at Twitter, Mumfrey nine nine nine, and uh, pop into the Acadicon Discord because it's a great place to talk to people, hang out, and learn a few things. It's a fun little uh, place to be. I, I totally agree. Um, again, I'll quickly shout out Action 12 Cinema coming to Kickstarter next year. That's the one I've been showing most of the time when nothing else is up. Uh, we currently have 51 people following the campaign. My goal is to get to 100 because I don't actually have all the numbers put together yet. But I think if I can get like 100 backers day one, we'll fund day one and then I don't have to worry about it. and won't lose my hair. All right. So, Ellen, so any final thing about your crowdfunding habits that you want to share, and then again, your socials where people can find you on the interwebs. Yes, because I have all these props. I'm going to real quick, like 60 yep. seconds, do all the ones. So the Lighten ones that round. I like the most that I got, Miru, um, an analog adventure. It's a solo game. You should check it out. Um, three of Magpies, or two of Magpies, actually. Three of Magpies came out later. It's a Magpie tarot deck, which is made up of different cards, and some of the cards were bespoke for the um, Kickstarter. After the Rain, cool book. Uh, I was glad that I got the cool kickstarter version of it it's very pretty uh beak feather and bone the claw atlas i have the the original too the reason why they're still in plastic is because they have loose uh maps because it Ooh. is an atlas so that is why they're still in plastic not because i haven't opened them um wander home which is not from this year but last year and everyone should know it um j dragon uh is the author and then i think two more which is just uh, East Texas University Study Abroad. Very cool supplement for a game that I love and I'm currently running. And then Coyote and Crow. Huge book. Look how huge this is. Yep. All the art's cool. All the rules are cool. It's awesome. Those it uses D12, doesn't it? Uh, I think it does, yeah. I think it's one of those, not, if not exclusive, it's like a D12-based system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, so those are real quick, all the ones that I like pulled out of my shelf like, oh, I want to share these because these were cool, so you should look them up if they seemed at all interesting to you and support those creators. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, 
uh, drawing a lot of TTRPG art and then um, making poor financial TTRPG <laughs> decisions. Uh, at? at Ellen underscore Delina, D-A-L-I-N-A. Fantastic. So the links to all the stuff we talked about will be in the show notes. Um, and then all the links to our socials. You can find me, of course, at the RPG Academy. That's where I do most of my stuff. And just hopefully people found this episode interesting. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun thing to, to round out the year on. Uh, so we're going to take the rest of the, the year off for the show early in January. We will pick a new Sunday and we'll start the cycle over again. Um, and maybe we'll have some new things to share. But please, if you're listening, if you back anything that we brought up, please let the people know that you backed it because of us. There's a way to either send a direct comment or you can just put in a comment once you're back or like, hey, I found this because of uh, we've gotten some uh, feedback from some of the creators, mostly very thankful to say, I'm glad you covered us, even if it didn't help. You know, like they, they see that people are covering their stuff. It means a lot to them as someone, again, who's going to have one soon. I, I know what that's like. Um, but it helps us continue to grow the show as well. And thank you for being here, Tad. I think you're the only one that um, that was that was chiming in. So hopefully you had a good time. Those listening in the future, thank you as well. Have a wonderful holiday season, no matter what you celebrate or don't celebrate. And we will see you early next year, 2023. So thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing, doing it, it right. right. <laughs> thanks. And we'll see you next time.